When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. people trickle in here to really get started. But Alex, another day where Bill Belichick made another splash. The spending spree continues. Hunter Henry, three-year contract. This one took me by surprise. I figured they were done with the tight ends after they signed Johnny Smith on Monday. That's not the case, though. They had another one. We're getting a harken back to Gronk and Hernandez here with the two tight end sets and the 12 personnel. We're going to get into all those details here in a second. But first, just your initial reaction. Were you as surprised as I was about the fact that Hunter Henry is now a New England Patriot? Well, I think I said it to you, unfortunately, off the air. I think either right before, right after we were live yesterday that now watch them go sign Hunter Henry. And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, yeah, let's, let's see them go sign Hunter Henry because as we talked about yesterday, right? Johnu Smith is more like he's an untapped potential signing. It's upside. It's what can they turn him into? It's how do they use him to maximize his effectiveness and Everybody, apparently I'm the Hunter Henry guy. I didn't realize I was as in on him as, as some people thought, uh, cause people were tweeting at me. I actually, you know, I was like, great player. I thought he was a little overrated, but great player. Um, but my favorite thing about the Hunter Henry signing isn't like Hunter, adding Hunter Henry on his own. Great signing in a bubble. You sign a good player. I thought they got him at a good price. Awesome. Sure. My favorite part about it though is the context of all the other moves they've made. Because Hunter, having Hunter Henry, having that traditional in-line, up-the-seam tight end, just totally unlocks new potential for what they can do with Jonu Smith and how they can love Jonu Smith. It's complementary football in the offseason. I think that might be, by definition, peak Bill Belichick. Complementary signings. But, yeah, I, I was stoked. I don't know if you saw the video of Zolak and Bertrand reacting on 98.5. Yeah. I had a similar reaction that Mark did, screaming, no way, no way. Yeah. Um, this, a great signing, and it makes the John U. Smith signing even better. So they got a twofer with this one. Yeah, I also feel like it makes the Nelson Aguilar signing and the Ken- Kendrick Bourne signing a little bit makes more sense because I think we came on the show yesterday, and I wanted to be excited about John U. Smith. I think it's a good signing. I-, I was relatively excited about it, right? But I still felt like they were kind of missing that top guy, right? It still felt like they needed right. more. And we mentioned that. Well, during- we talked yesterday about like the receiver. 
Right. So we, we mentioned maybe going through the draft for like a Jalen Waddle or something like that to get another pass catcher because it still felt like they were missing that number one guy. But now it, it doesn't because you have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, who are just two great complementary pieces, as you mentioned, as kind of this weapon, this offensive weapon of a force of both guys together making things happen for defenses. Now Nelson Aguilar becomes kind of your third option in the offense or maybe even the fourth option if you want to factor in Jacoby Myers into the equation, right? And things start to make a little bit more sense in terms of the hierarchy of the offense. I think that what you mentioned too about the complementary pieces, it's just so telling that the Patriots are building an actual team here. This is not going out to spend just to spend. Bill Belichick's not playing fantasy football. He's not playing Madden, right? He's making very smart decisions of how he is spending his money. And the main thing with Hunter Henry and Johnny is that, okay, you have this offensive line. I know they still have to figure out the center position, but they have this offensive line that is going to be a bully, right? You got Trent Brown, Michael Onwenu, Shaq Mason. You got these huge guys on the O-line that can really run block and really blow guys off the ball. Now you got a stable of running backs. They bring back Cam Newton. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be the quarterback, but I think it's going to be somebody mobile at the quarterback position. You have a stable of running backs with Sony and Damian Harris leading the way. And now you got these two tight ends. And the possibilities uh, off of play action, off of misdirection, off of using the run game as sort of the the main component of the offense and then working off of that, that you can build so many compliments into that, right? And they they're, they should be a team that is close to the league leaders in terms of play action percentage, right? This should be Hunter Henry up the seam, Johnny over the middle, whatever they want to do, you know, to, to make those guys work in terms of route combinations and and route trees and stuff like that off of play action. And and that's going to just open up so much, especially when you have big Mike and Shaq Mason pulling in your grill, you're going to be like, Whoa, I got to step up into this gap. And there goes Hunter Henry by you up the seam. Right. So uh, one thing that Albert beer threw out there that I think is really interesting was that the Patriots had a conversation with both Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and sold them on that Gronk and Hernandez offense, right? And said, we can do right. this again with you guys. And I think what the Patriots looked at at the landscape, we talked a lot about wide receivers and stuff like that. And, and before free agency, I think they saw that they could get similar production in terms of run blocking ability, receiving ability from those two guys for the price of probably what Kenny Galladay is going to get in one year, right? You know, pretty close to the top of the wide receiver market. And there's a reason why the wide receivers are not moving right now. There, There's a bunch of wide receivers that still remain unsigned, and it's because they're asking for a big amount of money, and there's just not a lot of cap space left in the league to be able to give Kenny Galladay $20 million a year, to give Will Fuller $16, $17 million a year. Those contracts just haven't been there for those players because these teams don't have the cap space and the Patriots went for the value at the tight end position instead. So they end up paying Hunter Henry and John Smith something, what, like $11, $12 million a year, and they get two guys that can be really good within the framework of their offense instead of overpaying for one of those name-brand wide receivers. Yeah, and somebody mentioned Josh McDaniels, and I think now all the focus has to go to him, right? And he got left out of the coaching search and all of that, and this is the year. If he wants to get back in that spotlight, he's going to have a chance this year. This is set up perfectly for his style of offense, for what he wants to do. It's just going to be about putting the pieces together, getting everybody in the right place. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, we'll see what happens with the quarterback, but pending that, 
I don't know if you could ask for a more Josh McDaniels offense in terms of the personnel you'll have out there, the personnel he'll have at his disposal. So, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting kind of to see what he draws up. And I'm wondering, you know, do we get a preseason this year? And right now the NFL is saying that the offseason, you know, the OTAs, et cetera, that's still going to be virtual as it stands right now. So the preseason is kind of the next big question. And this is kind of what dooms some of these super teams sometimes. I'm not saying the Patriots are quite there, but when you bring in a lot of additions at once, chemistry becomes the issue and just familiarity with the system. I'm now wondering, you know, are they going to get a chance to kind of try some of this new stuff? And are we going to get a chance to see it in a preseason? I know they'll have practice, but it's live reps against another team are different. Uh, or, you know, are they going to hit the ground running week one? It's not going to make or break things, but that's kind of where I noticed my mind going today is when's the first time we get to see this? Is it going to be in late July or is it going to be in early September? Yeah, and I, that's a really good question. And I, I think what's cool about that is that oftentimes the Patriots don't want to show their hand in the preseason. When we go out there in training camp, I don't know if there will be fans allowed back at training camp at, at in, in Gillette Stadium like there normally is in the practice fields behind the stadium. If there's not, you know, last year it was it was a group of reporters that got to go, and myself included, luckily, and we got to be watch these things and report on these things, but it wasn't we didn't see a ton of what they were really going to do with cam we saw glimpses of the read option type of stuff that they might do or the rpo type of stuff that they might do but it wasn't they came out week one and surprised us all even the guys that were at training camp right so i think that there is still going to be some secrets that are going to be left uncovered until in the season you we've talked a lot about josh mcdaniels over the last two days though because i think that that's a really key part about this he has Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar. I think those three guys are enough for this offense to be productive now, right? I think that they definitely right. can be a top 10 offense, depending on the quarterback play. And we're going to get to the quarterbacks in a second because that's the other element we were texting about this earlier is I'm not worried about how good of a signing Hunter Henry or Johnny or Nelson Aguilar is, but is the quarterback going to be able to get them the football, right? So that those two things I think are really now the next important things in this discussion is – is Josh McDaniels up for this, right? Is he able to scheme up ways to get these guys involved? And is the quarterback situation going to be good enough, whether it's Cam or somebody else, that they're going to be able to move the football anyways? I just find it hard to believe that Bill Belichick just went out and spent almost $300 million and counting in free agency to have Cam Newton be one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL throwing to all of these high-priced receivers, right? This doesn't feel like an offense that wants to – kind of do that so i'm really interested to see what they do moving forward but well, do you want to do you want to get to the elephant in the room then not yet not yet i want okay. to mention some things about hunter henry first because i we've talked a lot about the big picture stuff but i do want to yeah. get break down his game just a little bit and then we can get to that uh point that we're definitely a lot of people hinting at some things today about a certain <laughs> quarterback coming here maybe somebody that currently plays in the houston area and we'll get to the that Right. But, uh, but I would Hunter Henry, I, I do want to mention a couple of things about his game that I really like. The, the 
one thing that I think really stands out about him when you watch him is he's a really technically sound and smart route runner. This is a guy that understands how to get open at the NFL level. It's not just his technique at the top of the route is really crisp. He's got a good job of kind of using his body, using his positioning, and being able to break off a of leverage and create separation at the top of the route, both with his size and with his short area agility. But he also has a really cerebral approach on how to get open. And a lot of the times against the Chargers, you see guys that bracket coverage him, you know, they have a guy inside of him and they'll have a guy outside of him. And he just sort of understands what he's up against. And he understands how to get open within that framework. He understands how to manipulate coverage and how to manipulate defenders down the field to get open. And I think those are elements that not only bode well for just his production in terms of wherever he were to land in free agency, but in particular in the Patriots offense, that's always something that we talk about, right? Why has Jacoby Myers been successful? It's because he's had, he has a high football IQ. He understands how to get open in his routes. And that's something that I think Hunter Henry does well also. And then he can clearly block. He's got the size of an inline tight end. Just a great mix and match here of Johnny Smith, the versatile off the line of scrimmage, move tight end, move him around the formation, give him the ball in situations to let him uh, use his yak ability and his ball carrying skills. You have that kind of move tight end type, and then you have the traditional big-bodied, between-the-numbers threat. Hunter Henry, the Chargers occasionally would also line him up at X receiver and uh, just let him go one-on-one against guys and, and use his size and his ability to box out and, and win contested catches. Just a really fun player, I think, in terms of uh, just – the traditional stuff that a tight end does well, Hunter Henry checks all those boxes, and then Jonu can kind of be the athlete, right? He can kind of be the space guy, the guy in space that they scheme up and get the ball in his hands. I, you can't really think of a better complimentary one-two punch at a position than these two guys. It, it might not be the traditional, you know, wide, it's not Randy Moss and Wes Welker, right? You know, it's not the, the wide right. receiver and tight end, it, it, but it's really, a, it's on Edelman and Gronk. It's two tight ends, but I think that both of them, do things a lot differently, and I don't think there's a ton of overlap in terms of what they're going to well, do out there on the field. I think it's worth noting, so a couple things. We've talked about for a couple years now, I think going back to the 2019 draft, they needed pass catchers. And I remember going into one of those drafts, and the, the thing was they need three pass catchers, whether it's two receivers and a tight end, three receivers, three tight ends, whatever. They needed guys who could catch passes. It never yeah. had to be at the wide receiver position. They they filled that need. They got, you know, you kind of said it before. They could have paid Kenny Galladay what they paid both Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Now they have more options, and they got a guy, I think, you know, at first in Hunter Henry, and we'll see what happens with Smith, who can be, like, the, a, a legitimate leading receiver. He's going to put up yeah. numbers, you know, complimentary. Maybe not Stephon Diggs, but any other receiver in the AFC East, I think Hunter Henry – is going to be about on board with those numbers. We'll see who Miami drafts Especially in the first round. Maybe touchdowns, right? I think the red zone right. area and that both guys. I think. Yeah, t- tell me right. if this is a stretch. I think both guys, not maybe not both at the same time, but. I could see either one of them with double-digit touchdowns this year. I think they both I could. I think that's possible. And we're going to we keep on saying this. It, it depends on the quarterback. Depends right? on the quarterback. So right. the the one other point I wanted to make is. I've seen some people say, well, Bill didn't have a tight end, so he went out and signed the two best tight ends. Technically, he did that, but that's not – there's more nuance to it. That's not what this is, right? It's not like he signed Hunter Henry and and Gerald Everett. Not that Gerald Everett is as good as John U. Smith, but complimentary. These are two guys who are going to do different things, who are going to fill different roles. 
they, they built an offense with this move. It just so happened to be that they were the two top tight ends in the class, that the two top tight ends in the class were two different sorts of players. So this isn't spending money for the sake of spending money. You can see the plan here, at least at the tight end position. You can see the design here. There's a direction now that they're starting to follow. And and, and maybe this is the lead in, Evan, if you're ready. The, the only question left is who's who's operating this? Who's who's under center? Right. Right. And, and that's a, that's a good lead in and we'll go there in just two seconds, but I do want to uh, plug our YouTube channel here for a second. Sure. Subscribe to Patriots Press Pass on our YouTube channel. If you like what you're hearing from me and Alex right now, or if you liked us in the past, if you hit subscribe and you turn on your notifications and you'll be notified every single time that we go live on Patriots B. So you'll get a notification in your inbox. You'll know right away that we're live and you can come and check out the podcast and listen to us uh, talk and, uh, and gloat about the Patriots signing to tight ends at the top of the of the market and uh, all the things that were said before free agency about how the no nobody wanted to come here remember alex nobody wanted to come here nobody nobody's gonna come play for the patriots oh it's cold and they all hate the coach and and look money talks they've paid all these guys a ton of money let's let's not act like people are still coming here for some aura but they'll money make money makes people do crazy things it really does and the patriots had more of it to spend than anybody. We're going to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code clns50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit before we move on to the quarterback i want to mention one more thing because it is a pressing point on hunter henry you're going to hear injury prone thrown out a lot one season he missed yeah. right one season and then he, people say he hasn't played 16 games he's played 12 14, 14, and 13. Yeah. Like he, and it's been weird things where like he breaks his hand. He's, he's a gamer. He's going to play through it when he can. He's been put in some unfortunate circumstances. And I've made this point before. The Chargers medical staff is bad. You know, it's bad when you, when you know that a medical staff is bad at their job. Like think about how bad they have to be for that to stand out. They punctured the starting quarterback's lung this year. I wonder if he gets in New England who just overall has their, their stuff together a little more as an organization, if they can take care of him a little better. So there's, there's the, uh, Hunter Henry injury question. Let's get to the elephant in the room. Yeah, and I can tell you real quick about Hunter Henry. He has been in the weight room and in the training room for all off season so far already working out in uh, California and he's, ready to go. I think if the season started tomorrow, he, this guy would already be ready to go. You know, this is a guy that's in the gym six days a week, loves the game, works at his craft. You know, he does all those little things right, and he just needs some a better injury luck. So the thing, the elephant in the room we keep on teasing, the Patriots are at least, you know, having, I, I don't know what we want to call it. There's smoke. Let's call it smoke. All right, there is some smoke. Jeff Howe, the athletic, we all know Jeff. He published an article today saying, why not Deshaun Watson? Well, you want, you want some more smoke? I don't, I'm, I'm seeing this 
from fans on Twitter. I don't, maybe somebody can confirm it for us. Apparently Mike Lombardi also mentioned it on NFL Network. Wow. So there's definitely. I don't know. If somebody can confirm that, if somebody who's watching NFL Network, I'm just seeing some people talk about it, but just throwing that out there. There's definitely some smoke here, and I'm not saying that there's anything close to being done, but the Patriots have been active in the quarterback market from the get-go since the, this all kind of started. And really, right after, you know, sort of the Super Bowl, I guess, that's kind of when the new legal tampering period is, right? Everybody's been talking for weeks. And the Patriots have been talking. They've called Desha- about Deshaun Watson. They called about Russell Wilson. They've called pretty much about every veteran quarterback that's potentially available. And the trade parameters that I have heard thrown out there, if you want to talk about Deshaun, and the one thing that Jeff po- wrote about in his article is that the Patriots are still somewhere around $35, $40 million in cap space because of the way that they have structured all these contracts so far. So they have still have plenty of cap space, and Deshaun Watson – is not necessarily uh, – he's not going to be somebody that's going to be super expensive this year because his extension doesn't kick in fully until next year. So his cap hit right now is uh, very, very reasonable. And with all that said, this trade structure that I have heard that's been thrown out there is two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two players coming back from New England. Uh, some of those players that have been floated are Stephon Gilmore, Isaiah Wynn, I don't think we need to start looking at this Deshaun Watson thing as not a complete zero possibility chance of this happening. I don't know how you can possibly dislike it. I mean, it's impossible to dislike it. So I'm not sure what else we can say about it besides how great that would be if you're a Patriots fan. I mean, I I don't know because it feels like Houston's maybe going through a rebuild why they'd want Stephon Gilmore. But right. maybe you, you trade Stephon Gilmore for, for a first round pick and, and then that pick, you know, we've talked about Gilmore in 15 to move up to 10. And then maybe that is part of it. You know, you move Houston further up the draft, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there's an overpay possible for Deshaun Watson. I've talked about, like, I don't believe any player in any sport is untouchable because everybody has their price. Four first round picks and Isaiah win. Sure. Five first round picks and Isaiah win. Sure. I mean, you're going to, I think with this team, Bill Belichick has built and most of these are four year contracts, right? If you add Deshaun Watson to this group here and you assume everybody stays healthy, of course, let's say you give up four first round picks. Are any of those picks going to be above 28th overall? 25th at most. I mean, you're going to be in the AFC championship at least two of those four years, probably closer to three. Yeah. I, I think that. You know, if it only takes two, two first, two seconds and two players, even better. That, that's, you know, I think that that's probably a steal. We'll see who the players are, but I, I don't think there's an overpay here. I really don't think there is for the Patriots. And no. I saw, I think it was Albert Breer said that he doesn't know if Houston, even if the, they had the best offer and even if Watson was okay with it. And that's the big issue here is would Watson okay the trade? Cause he has to okay it. And right now it sounds like he wants Denver or San Francisco and that's it. But, you know, if that all went through, I, I saw Albert Breer say Houston probably wouldn't want to trade him. Like, he's speculating here. This isn't a report. Speculating that Houston wouldn't want to trade Watson to the Patriots because the fans would hate it because of the history right. between the two organizations. To which I say, since when do the Houston decision makers care about making those fans happy? Yeah. That boat sailed two, three years ago. 
that with Jack Easterby at the helm, if it comes down to Houston not wanting to piss off their fans, I'm not sweating it. I think it's a done deal if that's all it comes down to. So, you know, there, there, there's other obstacles there, obviously, but you're right. I think we need to start, you know, not, maybe it's not realistic yet, but I think it's fair to put it on the radar. We're, we're yeah. out of the uh, Pepe Silvia territory here with this. Right. And I also think that a big reason why Bill Belichick went on this spending spree on offense was in order to make the Patriots more appealing to a guy like Deshaun Watson, right? Because when the list originally right. came out for Deshaun, for Russell Wilson, for Matthew Stafford, even the Patriots were not high on that list or were not on that list at all in some cases. And it was because of the weapons. It was because of the lack of weapons. Well, now you can come here and you can throw to two good tight ends. You can throw to Aguilar. You can throw to Jacoby Meyer. Now you have an offense. In the re- they, and they could still add another wide receiver too right. if you want, probably. They Even could probably they still traded, go out and add like Juju Smith Schuster. Right. They probably couldn't if they if they traded for Russell Wilson, but Deshaun Watson, who we're talking about right Watson, now. Watson with Watson specifically, I mean. Absolutely yeah. could still go out there and add another wide receiver. And I think we should mention the wide receiver market right now is dark. It is a dark place, right? There's not a lot of guys getting paid. There's a lot of guys unsigned. You know, Curtis Samuel hasn't been signed. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I mentioned off the top, hasn't been signed. Juju hasn't been signed. Will Fuller hasn't been signed. You know, I can go right on down the list of all the big name wideouts that are still on the market because there's just not a lot of teams knocking on the door right now for those guys because of how much they're demanding in contracts and how little cap space there is around the league. There's just not enough money to go around to some of these players. So I think that that's a fascinating aspect of it is that the Patriots went out and made their team quarterback friendly. Right. They made their team yeah. an appealing destination for quarterbacks by all the moves that they have made so far. And if you're Deshaun Watson, all of a sudden you say, Hey, well, they're, they're all, they're building something in New England, right? This isn't, uh, you know, Devin Asiasi and Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry anymore. You know, they got some real NFL players over there that I can throw to. They got Bill Belichick. They got a great offensive line as well. There are some pieces here. And the other element with it, Deshaun Watson, is that remember, he played most of his career in Bill O'Brien's offense. That's an Earnhardt Perkins system that's basically a Deshaun Watson you know, version of the Patriots offense. So this is a guy that has learned a very similar scheme over his career. So the transition into New England's playbook is not going to be what Cam Newton just went through, right? It's going to be a much easier one-for-one transition if you're Deshaun. And the the last element I'll mention with Deshaun is I don't think anybody at this point is confused about Deshaun's skill set from the pocket but this is a now one of the best pocket passers in the nfl and we saw that last year in the matchup when they went down there to houston and and lost to the texans how great and how accurate and how timely deshaun watson can be with throws especially between the numbers this is a very accurate very quick processor a guy that really has learned to be excel from the pocket and no longer is reliant on mobility and scrambling and you know, scramble drill plays like what we saw his rookie season when they played the Patriots and he was running around all over the place and making crazy plays. That's not him anymore necessarily. That's like a secondary option for you, right? For the main thing that Deshaun Watson does now is carve defenses up with accuracy and precision from the pocket. So he makes a lot of things go in that Texans offense. He fits like a glove here in New England. You have Deshaun Watson back there who can do all those things from the pocket. We mentioned all the play action stuff that they could incorporate. Now you have Deshaun too and had that mobile element still in your offense like they had with Cam. There's just so many things to like about them making this move. And lastly, now that they've 
filled all of these holes. And I, I put out there on Twitter earlier that I sort of felt like this was aiming for them to be in the market for a first round quarterback trade up. Maybe it yeah. is for more of a veteran guy like Deshaun. They have all of the draft capital now that they can invest just in the quarterback position with a lot of their early picks, right? If they have to pay a boatload of picks to get Deshaun Watson, they can do that now because they've filled so many holes in the rest of the roster through free agency, and they're not done yet, right? They're they're definitely not done. I think there's still going to be a couple more moves on both offense and defense for this team, probably uh, some lower-level moves certainly, but... I think there might be one or two semi big ones yet left. Yeah, yeah, there could be. And they've been kicking the tires. You know, we talked about it yesterday on running backs, for example. I still think Kyle Van Noy coming back to the Patriots is very much in play. I still think that retaining some of their own free agents, like guys like David Andrews and Adam Butler, yeah. is certainly a possibility. They've been talking to guys like Fournette, Chris Carson, some of those types of guys as well. So a lot of that. I think is out there still for the Patriots to do. And if they got a guy like Deshaun, who's not going to break the bank in his first year in the contract, then they can still do all those things. So it's a fascinating storyline. And I think it's worth talking about because a guy like Jeff Howe, he doesn't just throw stuff out there for clicks, right? You know, this isn't, right. he's not somebody that just kind of, th- it's like similarly when Mike Reese says something, right? You think that there is some sort of possibility, some sort of, uh, you know, truth to the fact that it could actually happen. Well, so the other thing I'll say about it is because these are guys that generally like they, they have good ties. They're, they're hearing things and sometimes teams like to put out misinformation to help sway things. And the other quarterback to keep an eye on a much less sexy name, uh, although some in New England might disagree is Jimmy Garoppolo and San Francisco is reportedly one of the teams that's on Watson's list. And yeah. you reported and, and some other people have said that basically San Francisco hasn't closed the door on trading Garoppolo, but it's not going to happen until the next guy's in there, specifically till the draft. And that's basically not the Patriots timetable, right? They wanted the guy before free agency. That's why they signed Cam. Scott Zolak today saying that, that he's hearing that San Francisco isn't budging. But I wonder now, you know, if you're the Patriots and suddenly you have all these pieces and then, you know, maybe you just want San Francisco to know, Hey, we don't need Jimmy. We can go get Deshaun Watson. We can both right. take your guy off the table and then you'll have nowhere to trade Jimmy to. So two for like, if, if you want Watson, you know, you can go get him on your own time, but that's not always going to be there. We're, we're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not helping you. Now we're competing with you. So maybe this is a lit and it could be both. They could seriously be pursuing Watson and then the bonuses. If it frees up Garoppolo, it frees up Garoppolo, but you know, maybe there's a little bit of a push. Uh, for San Francisco to kind of get moving on that side of things because Garoppolo, the one thing we know he can do, he's very good on play action. And you mentioned, Evan, at the top of the show, this is a, this should be a play action heavy offense. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's the better option. Nobody needs to hear me say that. But Garoppolo, if they end up with Garoppolo, and I've been pretty down on him throughout this whole lot, pretty much since he was drafted. Uh, but they, they could do worse than Jimmy Garoppolo in this offense. I think when we talk about them, Building that team that's not quarterback centric, you use the 2019 49ers as kind of a shining example of what that can look like. And who was the quarterback of that team? Jimmy Garoppolo. There you go. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo definitely operates in a very play action heavy scheme right now. That's def- most quarterbacks are better off of play action, but Jimmy's ability to 
use play action fakes and get the ball out quickly is something that has always been an intriguing quality of his that the Patriots have really liked. Before they re-signed Cam Newton, they did kick the tires on Jimmy G to see if he was available via trade. They did have some discussions with the 49ers of what a trade would look like. So I think if Jimmy G did come available, if the Niners, let's say they trade for Deshaun or they make a move up in the draft for a quarterback and the Patriots still haven't done anything at that spot, if Jimmy G becomes available, then I think the parameters of the trade would be no problem. I think both sides would be able to figure out a fair compensation for everybody to make that trade happen. I think the help, the hang up for the Patriots is going to be getting Jimmy Garoppolo to agree to a contract restructure and ultimately a pay cut. Right, because the Patriots are not going right. to pay Jimmy Garoppolo at his current number. They're just not. So there, that's the biggest holdup I would say in terms of the Patriots side of things. I don't think it's the draft compensation or the trade compensation to get Jimmy Garoppolo. It's more about will he take a pay cut? What will the contract look like? And can they get that contract down? That that's certainly going to be an element of it. But just quickly, and I think go ahead. they can have. Well, I think they can have that conversation now because before, right on Sunday. What were you, what was Jimmy Garoppolo cutting his pay for? Now all of a sudden he gets to go to a team where he can succeed and he gets to go to a team that wants him, which isn't the case in San Francisco. And I think that's bothered him. Also, somebody just sent me the clip. Uh, uh, Lombardi did not mention the Patriots one way or the other. He just said Watson doesn't want to go to New York. He does not want to go to Miami. It's Denver and it's San Francisco for now. That's the report for now, but well, I just I wanted to, why wanted you'd to, want to go to that. San Francisco. I mean, that makes total sense to want to go play yeah. for Kyle Shanahan because he's going to make sure you're in a productive offense. When he has, when Kyle Shanahan has a good quarterback, that quarterback puts up numbers. He, Deshaun Watson yeah. probably won MVP with Kyle Shanahan calling him. Play. Within ten minutes of a Super Bowl. What what's Denver's appeal, and why? How is Denver more appealing than New England? I, that's the part that I don't understand. I know they got your guy Jerry Judy, uh, but other than that, I mean, it's that, well, that's not no offense. Maybe they bring back Tim Patrick. I mean, they've got options there. They've You're right. I, I think that the Patriots I, are on I, that I level put, now. Uh, yeah, I would put the Patriots new kind of uh, up with anything that the. That right. the I mean, but like maybe he's. You never know with these guys. He Deshaun is he a, a John Elway fan? Does he like the uniforms? Right. Uh, you know, is he a big snowboarder? Maybe I, I don't, I don't know that much about Deshaun Watson personally, admittedly, but, um, maybe he just wants to be in Denver. He wants to be, you know, people like Colorado right now. It's a hot place to move. Maybe that yeah. could be as simple as that. Yeah. But I do want to reiterate, and then we're going to move on to some other things that the Patriots are not done entertaining quarterback options just because they re-signed Cam Newton to that deal. I, I'm, they are not closing the door on an upgrade at the quarterback position as they shouldn't. Right. And I think at some point this off season, I would almost expect them to invest in some sort of a, either a long-term plan in the draft or even a short-term veteran plan or, or somebody like a Deshaun to invest in immediately to get, to plug somebody in there because Bill Belichick, again, he did not go on this spending spree that he's on right now to watch Cam Newton ruin it for them all. And I'm not saying Cam Newton necessarily will ruin it. But if Cam plays like he did last year, then they're not going to get the most out of these these guys that they've signed. Right? That, I think that's clear. So certainly the weapons, it's a chicken or an egg conversation that we've had a million times. Right? The weapons make the quarterback better, just like the quarterback can make the weapons better. But ultimately, I think the Patriots understand that they might have a cap ceiling with Cam Newton at quarterback. And they're not about to spend $300 million in free agency to watch them piss it all away because Cam Newton can't consistently put the ball in the right place. You know, that that's just not going to happen to me. So I think the Patriots are going to continue to entertain all of these quarterback options. And 
if all it's going to take from the Patriots side of things is two first, two seconds, and Isaiah Wynn and Stephon Gilmore, two players that they might trade anyways, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute I'll drop them to the airport. Yeah, especially after what they've done in free agency and after we know that they're going to, you know, plug all these holes with veterans anyways. So uh, let, let's move on to the next thing here. I wanted to discuss some of the guys that are still on the market, some possibilities for the Patriots. I want to talk about running backs because, Alex, you've been – Now you want to talk about running backs. He yelled me off the show last night you didn't want to talk about running I backs. I don't want – oh, wrong one. You got that backwards. Now I got it. I don't want there you go. to talk about running backs because I do not want the Patriots to spend any serious money on running backs. But with that being said, everybody out there that has – very good connections is telling us that the Patriots have been linked to running backs are making calls on running backs. Leonard Fournette's name was thrown out there. Chris Carson's name was thrown out there. What I don't understand about it, I guess is you already have two power backs in Damian Harris and Sony Michelle. So you would think that they would be looking for more of a James White replacement, right? Or some right. sort of gap back and like a Dion Lewis type of player. Instead, they're looking at more power back. So either they're thinking that they need the depth because they're going to run the ball 400 times next year with this new offense, which I, I don't think you pay Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, and Nelson Aguilar that kind of money to only throw the ball like they did last year. But maybe that's the plan, and, and maybe that's the way they're looking at it, and they need the depth. Maybe they're thinking about trading Sony Michelle, right, who's fifth-year option. I don't think he's going to be – going to be picked up probably not worth it at this stage to pay him close to five million dollars on the fifth year option so maybe they are thinking about moving sony and they want to continue to have that one-two punch because we as we saw last year damon harris got hurt sony got hurt you know you need that depth at that position sometimes it kind of takes you back to that 2018 season when uh the patriots were down to cordell patterson at playing running back at one point or even worse you can go back to 2015 and steven jackson Steven Jackson, that's a good one. Bill Belichick yeah. doesn't want to get burned like that at running back, I think is the, the message that we're getting sent out there. Fournette probably returns to Tampa Bay ultimately, but they liked Fournette. They wanted Fournette last year. They just couldn't convince him. Brady was too convincing over what they were working with in New England. Now maybe it's a different situation. So I think Fournette's probably at the top of their list, and he's sort of that LeGarrette Blunt type. I think that they think that he has a very similar skill set to LeGarrette Blunt. light. You think he's blunt light? Yeah, I, I hate those. I, I've always thought he's kind of an overrated player. Well, he's an uh, overrated I, I hate player for where he was drafted, certainly. But the Patriots didn't draft him fourth overall. You That's know fair. I, mean? I just I when Legarrette Blunt was on, and I'm even going back like when he when he started going in Tampa, even before he got to New England, when that guy was on, you couldn't tackle him. He yeah. was as close to all style. As we like Jerome Bettis, like those guys, like he was a dinosaur. He, you know, we think of power backs now as like just big guys, right? A guy like, you know, I'm dating myself here, but Mike Tolbert, who's just hard to bring down because of his mass. Yeah. Garrett Blunt was, I, I mean, he, he could stop, he could stop on a dime. He could change direction. And when he hit you, you felt it. I think, you know, remember the play against Pittsburgh in the playoffs? I don't remember what year it was, but they were at like the 12 yard line and they handed him the ball. And he got down to the five, and it looked like he was down. And then he just takes the entire Pittsburgh defense down to the one-yard line. Like that, Leonard Fournette's not doing that. He doesn't have he, – he might kind of – you know, he's a bigger guy who can move a little bit, and that's where the comparison is. But when you talk about just the raw power 
the ability to insert, to, to enforce his will on the defender, he's not like, nobody's LeGarrette Blunt in the NFL right now in that, at that level. Okay, I guess that's fair. I mean, Leonard Fournette, playoff Leonard was real good last year for Tampa Bay. He was know? good. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a that good player. I just don't think. Oh, so somebody, I, I, I misspoke. Somebody pointed that out. Sorry. Derrick Henry can do that. Derrick Henry absolutely can do that. I can't believe I forgot about Derrick Henry. That's my guy. Uh, Derrick Henry can do that. But I, I, I think LeGarrette might have been a little closer. He's not Derrick Henry. He might have been a little closer to Derrick Henry than some people realize. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. There is no family, and I can say this for 100% fact, there is no family that loves LeGarrette Brunt more than the Barth family. I, I've had arguments with your brother about LeGarrette <laughs> Brunt also. My brother likes and, LeGarrette more than I do. Yeah, my brother would tell you LeGarrette you guys, Blunt is Derrick Henry. All of you guys think that LeGarrette Blunt is a Hall of Famer or, or like, you know, Walter Payton reincarnated or uh, something. I didn't say that. Maybe He's a very good player. Down. Anyway, yeah. like I, you, you made a good point though with them going after the power backs. I think that it could open the door for a Sony Michelle trade. He's got that one year left. You know, the yeah. option gets picked up May 3rd. People have pointed out it's a good running back draft. So you bring in a veteran on a one year prove it deal. You draft somebody, you sit him as the Patriots are known to do with running backs. And then yeah. he kind of slides in next to Damian Harris. Uh, uh, after that, I don't. I, I don't think that's the only move, though. I think that they, they, a pass-catching running back has to come in at some point unless – and you brought this up on the show yesterday, and it is a possibility with all of the stuff John U. Smith can do, does he kind of become that – you know, you can line him up in the backfield. Does he become that third down out of the backfield option? Yeah. I don't think that's the best use for him. I don't think that's maximizing well, your investment, you know, but maybe that's the thought. Henry, though. I feel like right. that, I like it even more because so I didn't really buy into that until they signed Henry. Then it right. kind of peaked my because now you have a guy that's still threatening between the numbers and up the seam and vertically up the field, and you have Johnny Smith in that sort of role. I'm not sure if Johnny Smith has the real short area agility and quickness of a guy like an Aaron Hernandez at the top of the route. I guess we'll see as we watch him more and watch him in a Patriots uniform if he's able to have that sort of wiggle that Aaron Hernandez had. That's what made him. A, a viable option in terms of that third down pass catching back role or playing running back. He played some fullback too for the Patriots lining up in the backfield and catching passes out of a fullback alignment too. That's what made that a possibility. So we'll see if Johnny Smith has that gear, if he has that ability, but certainly is an option, right? And the one other running back that I wanted to mention, somebody mentioned him in the chat, uh, Damian Williams just got released by the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. He's somebody that can do a little bit of everything. He kind of reminds me of like a Rex Burkhead that can run the ball between the tackles a little bit and catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Maybe that's more of the, if it were me, I would prefer them to go after that sort of guy than somebody. And remember he killed them in that head. playoff game. So yeah. he's, he kind of has that going for him. Yeah. I think he's a possibility. And then I look at Jamal Williams from green Bay and somebody brought up in the chat Duke Duke Johnson, who's bounced around a little bit. Like that's the guy I'm more expecting to go after, but those guys will be there. I don't know that Chris Carson is is a free agent by the time we get to Friday. I don't I don't I doubt Leonard. I'm surprised Leonard Fournette's still a free agent, but he's probably got a day more on him max. So maybe it's bringing in that guy, then you trade Sony Michelle and that opens up the spot where they go and they get that third down back. But I still I I still think that matters. James White and Rex Burkhead are both gone. I people the draft, the draft, Michael Williams and, and Demetric Felton and CJ sure. Verdell, all good players. Definitely possibilities wouldn't hate it, but you're really young at that position. And, and, and with some of those guys, you're really small at that. Operates, right. 
if right. you're not a first you're, you're, running back, you're sitting for the first year. Right. We've seen it with James White. We've seen it with Damian Harris. We saw it with JJ Taylor last year. That's the, that's the part that kind of irks me is that if they did go after Demetric Felton, let's say, I don't think they would because I don't think they would see that value as being there because they know he's not going to play year one anyways, right? So maybe they look at so it. So it, it depends. Work, they had Shane Vereen on the roster, so they knew they right. didn't have to play him right away. When they brought in J.J. Taylor as an undrafted rookie, they had James White and Rex Burkett on the roster. They knew they could slow play it with him. In terms of a running back like a Demetric Felton stepping in right away, into that third down back role, that's asking a lot because not a lot of guys have been able to do that. And one of the elements I think of the third down back role that's really important is pass protection and blitz pickup. And you kind of have to understand the ability, you know, that element of the game of who you're picking up. Can you have the technique to pick somebody up? And I think that's a big element of it for JJ Taylor. I mentioned this yesterday. He just might be too small for that role, right? Because right. when he has a linebacker blitzing through the A-gap and it's his job to step up and into the linebacker and what, he's five foot seven, one seventy-five or one eighty or something at. like that. List he's gonna at. get yeah, he looks even smaller. He's gonna get run over, right? And that's an element of it that you have to think about. The Patriots care a lot more about blitz pickup than a lot of other teams that use that like James White type of running back. A lot of teams say we're just gonna throw him out, we're gonna just run him out in a pass route. So if you blitz a linebacker, you're gonna be short a coverage guy. We're gonna have five guys out in the pattern, we're gonna just get the ball out quickly, the quarterback's gonna throw hot and beat the blitz the Patriots like to be able to keep the running back in at times James White last year really struggled in blitz pickup that was one of the weaknesses of this game a big step back for him so that's I think an element of this too that you have to really consider with the Patriots is can you do you know how to run the routes that they want you to run a lot of those running back routes out of the backfield are three-way option routes right you can sit it down or you can break inside or outside based off the coverage so you have to be able to read those option routes first of all then you have to be able to handle your bits pickup responsibilities that's a lot for a rookie and that's why we tend to see those rookies that are in that vein in that role sit with the Patriots right. so I don't know if the draft is necessarily the best route to get that kind of guy well, may, I mean, maybe they can add one, but because they're losing Burkhead and White, and I'll even say Burkhead's coming off the, the what we think is a torn ACL, you know, if they re-sign James White, you dip into the draft. If not, I, I think you need a veteran. You mentioned you're very small at that position. You're very inexperienced yeah. at that position. If you just attack it through the draft, I think getting a veteran in um, is key at that spot. They can draft somebody too, and people have mentioned they kind of went Falk to Woodhead to Vereen, to James White, and that's been the right. path. And they don't – it doesn't – unless they J.J. Taylor really kind of rises, they don't have that next guy there. Sign that next guy as the bridge, and then you draft somebody behind him. You sign a guy to a one- or two-year deal. Somebody did mention a very interesting name, and this guy's more like, like you were talking about with Damian Williams, not just a pass catching back, but a guy who will give you a little bit of everything is Marlon Mack. I don't know that they're paying what it costs – to bring Marlon Mack in, but if his market slides a little bit, that's absolutely their kind of guy. Whoever, I, I don't know who brought that up, uh, but that, that's a great name to, to, to kind of attach if the market comes down a little bit. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Uh, for whatever reason, they're kicking the tires on running backs. And as much as I hate well, it. We just went over the reasons. There are reasons. Yeah, there are reasons. I just don't want them to pay anybody anything, right? Like if you want to bring in a guy like a Chris Carson and you want to pay him three million, you know, three and a half million dollars to play here next year, fine, right? You know, fine. If you're going to offer sort of real money, especially after the season that we just watched Damian Harris have for the Patriots and they finally got him on the field, I don't know. It seems like a bad investment to me. 
so there's another great name. And somebody brought this up earlier too. Philip Lindsay was yeah. given a, a, a they, it's a restricted free agent. So the Broncos would have the right to match, but they don't have to give up a pick. He's kind of fallen out of favor there. That's a guy and he's got the buy-in too. We kind of learned a little about him when he had that breakout rookie season. And he's a guy that appreciates the grind, appreciates hard work, all of that. Yeah, I could, I, I remember thinking that earlier today. I'd forgotten about it, but it's a great point. Bringing in Philip Lindsay, I, to me, that's probably on short money. That's a home run signing if they can get him for like two, three, four million dollars a year. Right. The other element of Philip Lindsay that I like is that he's a little bit undersized and somebody that's dealt with some durability issues. So if you put him in a running back by committee where he doesn't have to carry the ball 250 times, you probably keep him healthy, you keep him fresh. He's somebody that is a pretty explosive ball right. character when he's healthy and he's on the field. And he was like the bell so, cow in Denver, right? When he started. Him and Devontae Booker both kind of were in that mix in Denver when he first started. But certainly right. he's a guy that was their lead back and was a pro bowler and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, so I'll, I'll Philip Lindsay, that, uh, that was, that's probably my favorite. But again, I just think if it's the big back, if it's the Carson, if it's the Fournette, that to me tells me that, that maybe a Sony Michelle trade is coming. I certainly think it puts his option in jeopardy, but I'm not convinced they're done with the running backs at that point or they're done with the running backs if that move doesn't happen. I think. He loves them. Even if they, he loves them. He, they, he's had some good ones and he's had some fat. Yeah. You're going to tell me some of these running backs Patriots have had. I mean, some of the most valuable players, some of the most important players. I know you think running backs don't matter, but the way he uses them and the kind of guys he finds, some of the, some of the most important players on these Super Bowl winning teams have been running backs. James White. You're going to tell me Shane Vereen didn't matter. And look, are there other guys Shane who could have done what you- James White mattered because they contributed in the passing game, not because of anything. That's fine. Right. Who's, who, which back? I'm telling you, look at the roster today. And I think I, I, I don't matter. I think guys that could impact the passing game matter. I so, think guys So what like, I'm telling you is look at the roster today. Yes. Who on that roster is truly impacting the passing game from the running back position? Probably JJ Taylor probably got the best chance at this point if you're looking at the and, roster. And he's if he is a, as a pass blocker. I think Jakob Johnson, if you want to just talk about backs, oh, no. has has the most receiving touchdowns of anybody on the roster. Oh no, he's tied. If we're talking back at the end of the position, he's tied with Cam Newton. Damian Cam Newton Harris Jakob is, Johnson. You're too, oh no, Damian, Damian Harris, Harris did catch have more impact than Jakob Johnson. But, right? but my point is, my point is, they need a guy who can impact in the passing game. That guy's not on the roster right now, and they don't play rookies. That means they got to go sign a free agent to fill that role. It's an important role. They don't need to spend a ton of money to do it. They don't need to be flashy about it. Me saying they should pay Aaron Jones $11 million is just to get you riled up. But now they're in the wheelhouse where we mentioned a bunch of names. Jamal Williams, uh, who'd you say from Kansas City? Um, you muted. Whoever Evan said from Kansas City earlier, his sound's cut out uh, until he comes back. You know, there there are passing running backs here. On the table, they can get at cost. Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay's a great one. Dan Vital could factor in, actually. That's not a bad point. Uh, they gotta get somebody who can do that, though. Alright, you back? Evan's still not back. Who's got other, who's got other questions in the chat? There goes Evan. I'll hold this down for a second. Who's got other questions in the chat? Still not back. Uh, let's, let's, oh, did I have you for a second there? Say something? Thought I heard some background noise? Nope. Uh, David Andrews. David Andrews, while Evans figured this out, that's that's one more big signing. A bunch of you mentioned him in the chat. Uh, I, I think it, that that to me is the big one I'm still waiting on. I think Adam Butler would be a tough loss. 
I think Lawrence Guy would be a tough loss. Certainly James White would be a tough loss. But when you talk about guys in-house, guys currently, uh, you know, or, or, or pay, uh, internal free agents, I think you got to look at David Andrews, Evan. We'll see if we can get your take on this here. As, as Yes, you are back. And I've moved the conversation on. I think David Andrews is the most uh, uh, so, yeah, so I wanted, uh, powerful pending free agent. Yeah, I'm glad you went there. I think that that's definitely the next element of this free agency for the Patriots is, I, you know, there's still possibility, plenty of possibilities that they can kind of get some other guys in here that are non-Patriot players. I think taking care of some of their own guys is now becomes important, right? And it starts at the top with David Andrews. I think he's the number one guy. If I were New England, and I know there's a lot of talk about the Miami Dolphins potentially being in David Andrews' market and really pushing the Patriots hard for a return with David Andrews, I think that they need to get something done with David Andrews. If they don't, I would definitely entertain like a Ted Karras one-year stopgap season and then drafting somebody like Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson or something like that to take over at center. But to me, David Andrews is is someone that they need to take care of right now. So uh, a couple thoughts on that. I, I Andrews to me, especially when you lose Tooney, it's beyond the X's and O's. It's the leadership. It's, you know, both on and off the field. You had a Twitter thread about this earlier. What he does in terms of the pre-snap communication right. and the pre-snap calls is invaluable. That it's first year in the offense, whether it's a rookie or even a guy like Deshaun Watson, having somebody yeah. like Andrews that's really smart and understands the ins and the outs of the offense better than anybody is really key. And I mentioned one thing about there is precedent for the, for the Patriots specifically to have a guy at another position on the line call the line, make the line calls, right? There is sure. some precedent. Well, there. They, they had the guard and center switch play by play in 2001. Right. So that, so that was back when, um, that was when I, what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, there were elements of that certainly. Amy and Woody and Mike Compton. Right. That where they were having other guys make those calls, right? And, uh, I'm blanking on, uh, on his name right now, but. Uh, Damian Woody and Mike Compton. No, no, no. The guy that, uh, his oh, brothers were firefighters. I'm, I'm, it's killing me. Uh, offensive lineman for the Patriots in the early 2000s. Oh, Joe Andrewsy. Joe Andrewsy. Thank you so much. All right. So Joe Andrewsy was a guy, uh, he talked, I talked to him after David Andrews got hurt or I uh, had the, the blood clot issue and I had to uh, go in with Ted Karras about how important that communication is for the quarterback and the center. And he talked about how, you know, they switch guys and how certain sometimes early on in guys' careers, uh, Andrewsy was somebody that was responsible for making some of those calls and things like that, even though he wasn't necessarily playing center. Right. So it doesn't always have to be the center. Yeah. The guy I threw out there was that Shaq Mason might be somebody that could make those calls instead of the center if it ends up being a rookie. But ultimately, it's a very high IQ position. It's a position where you're doing multiple things a lot of the time. You're not usually blocking somebody right over you. It's sometimes something that you have to go and look for work or go and find a guy to block or you're working up to the second level or you're reaching a guy that's in the B gap. It's a very complex position, the center position. It's a pivot position in the entire offensive line. So if you're bad at the center spot, that can really tank an offensive line that's really talented like the Patriots and all the other four spots. So I I think that that's a really important position moving forward. Yeah, so I think, you know, and I wonder if, because we keep hearing, we kept hearing every couple of hours, Miami's making the push, Miami's making the push. And we've heard people speculate that David Andrews could be one of these guys where they say, go out, see what you get. Yeah. match it and I wonder if it's if it's just been him going back yeah. and forth with he goes to Miami gets the offer brings it back to New England 
We'll match that. Goes back to Miami. They said they'll match it. Miami ups. It goes back to New England. We'll match it. Goes back to Miami. They'll, and I wonder if it's that back and forth and eventually somebody's going to give. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. And then if he leaves, I think Ted Karras, like you mentioned, is the good bridge option. And the chat absolutely beat us to this the second we brought up centers. Uh, I think David Andrews is one, one of the best centers in the league. There's few guys who are better. Rodney Hudson's one of them. If they could land him, if, if they could land him and it's tough to be a center in the first year in a new system, but you know, I know it's the offensive line. I know it's your spot, but Rodney Hudson, talk about continuing to just land home runs in free agency. So I think that the the center position is interesting. I I think there's probably three or four guys that are elite at that spot. I would not put Rodney Hudson in that category. I think that him and Andrews are both tier two guys. I, I think if you're going really elite, elite centers, you're talking about like Corey Lindsley, for example, on the Green Bay Packers. He was an all pro last yeah. year. He's definitely the guy that I think is probably the best center or close to it. Alex Mack is a really good center as well. He's definitely up there. Jason Kelsey, I think is certainly in that category too. Those guys I think are very much up there, but I, Andrews is right there in that second tier. I think him and Rodney Hudson, if they ended up with either one of those guys, they'd be all set. They did well, yeah. Certainly. I don't know if it's a big improvement in terms of Hudson over Andrews, but I think it's definitely somebody that could be uh, a potential improvement. I I, want to wrap it up on this one. One last thing. We are still hearing so much about... Having some Yelda Froholt love in the chat. Oh, that's my guy. I hope that Yelda makes it. (laughs) One more thing. Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Is he on the team next year? Yes or no? Certainly seems like the smoke's coming from Arizona, right? That, that Cardinals reported Josh Weinfuse or something like that. I don't know. I asked him to come on my show the other day. He never DM me back. Um, you know, he not just kind of, healthy. so, so not, I, maybe he has a connection to Arizona State. I don't know, but it's not his team, right? He covers the Cardinals and he just comes out with the Patriots are looking to trade Nikhil Harry and there's three teams on the block. So you assume Arizona is one of them and they love receivers like that. Yeah. I think. When you look at those two drafts, the, the, you know, the first two, ironically, the first two drafts I covered, um, Sony Michelle, Isaiah Wynn, Nikhil Harry, those contracts are coming up. Those are going to be expensive options if the Patriots pick them up. They don't want to lose them for nothing. I don't know about the comp pick value with those guys. I, I, I think they're kind of up against it now in terms of roster spots. And the other thing, and this ties into a lot of what we've talked about tonight with these trades and then potentially trading up in the draft, consolidating picks to trade up in the draft, either to improve your asset to get to Sean Watson or just to trade up and get, you know, Trey Lance, to move up to six and get Trey Lance. The Patriots have uh, Miguel Benson from from Cap uh, Pat's Cap put it out there. I think he said they have 14 roster spots left right now. They have nine draft picks. Right. And that's 14 with the whole thing. So, you know, you look at the guys they've brought in. They've signed, I think, eight new players, right? Resign two more. That's ten. That's a fifth of their roster. There's there's only so many spots. Right. You can only keep so many of the guys you bring in in the offseason. Consolidating picks and moving up is what they need to do. We saw them do it a couple years ago. They had what was it like fourteen picks going into the draft a couple years ago, and they ended up making ten of them. And that that's still a ton. But there's going to be a roster crunch, and an easy way to get around that is you know. Do we need both fourth round picks or do we move up in the first round? That's, I think, why the Marcus Cannon trade was what it was. They didn't want to add picks. They don't have the roster spots for them. So it's a good year to consolidate picks. That's a way to free up roster spots. Another one is 
What's the role for Nikhil Harry on this team? He's the fourth, maybe fifth wide receiver right now. And, and he's a pretty, you know, specific guy. He doesn't have a ton of versatility. Right. He's not a guy who can fill in for everybody if they get hurt. Yeah, I totally buy that, that there's potentially a trade in place. I know that it happens right now. That's probably something a little closer to the draft, maybe after the draft, but, uh, I think it's 50-50 at best that he's on the roster next year. Yeah, I actually think that it's maybe even less than that. But the one argument, and I'm not making an argument that Nikhil Harry is going to somehow be good for the Patriots in the future. The one argument that you can talk yourself into, though, is that now with Hunter Henry and Johnny and Nelson Aguilar, he no longer has the pressure of needing to be the guy, right? Like, he doesn't have that first-round right. pick. He's all, you know, he needs to be the offense because he's the move that we made to upgrade there. He doesn't have that pressure anymore, but so maybe you can Has he himself. ever had that pressure? With Julian Edelman on the roster, has he ever really had that pressure? I absolutely, I think in 2019 and again last year, he had a lot of pressure on him to be a first round talent, to live up to that pick, to live up to that pick production wise, because they were so desperate, Alex, for any type of wide receiver production and any type of offensive firepower that I think he had a lot of pressure on him to step up to the plate as the guy that they spent a top 32 pick on. Now that for the first time, I think, in his career with the Patriots, he wouldn't necessarily have that pressure. But at the same time, I still stand by my take last week of it's probably the best that the Patriots stop trying to convince themselves that Nikhil Harry is going to work here and just move on from that and let other guys play, other guys give give other guys the opportunity to play because – you're not going to make that guy work. I just don't think you are. Maybe another team that's more of a vertical passing offense that wants to just throw jump balls all day, maybe they can get the most out of Nikhil. But I just don't think it's going to work here. So you might as well just, you know, cut your losses, get what you can for them, move on. Maybe you draft somebody with that skill set. Maybe you draft somebody entirely different and you let that guy play. Right. And he lets you see what you have with that player. I think that's the Patriots are much better off doing that, in my opinion, than continuing to try to develop this guy and continuing to try to convince themselves that they are going to get into that untapped potential and they're going to make him a good player. I just don't think it's going to work here for Nikhil Harry. I'm not saying it won't work anywhere, though. You know, there's a potential that it could work someplace else. And maybe that's oh, he has a ton of natural ability. I could totally see him going elsewhere and succeeding. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. So we are going to be back. I want to plug the channel one more time so that people can go and subscribe to the Patriots Press Pass on our YouTube channel. Alex and I will be back at the same time, same place to do another free agency recap tomorrow. Alex, I was kind of thinking that maybe we weren't going to have much to talk about tonight. Then the Patriots went out and signed Hunter Henry. So I was very wrong. Uh, Do we think we're going to have another kind of big splash signing tomorrow to talk about this time? I mean, certainly somewhere. I don't know if it's the Patriots. Um, but you know, tomorrow for agency really opens. I think, I, I think, I don't know if it's a big splash signing. I think tomorrow we're going to be talking about where David Andrews ended up. I think we're going to yeah. be talking about where James White ended up. Um, yeah. and maybe, maybe there's some quarterback news. So I, I think that again, I think they still, it depends what you define as splash. I don't think, you know, Hunter Henry, Matt Judon, those are past us. If KVN's a splash, maybe that's on the table. If you count Andrews as a splash, maybe that's on the table. The running backs obviously are still there. So uh we're not, you know, we're past the woe moments. We might just all be woed out. Even if they did a woe short of Deshaun Watson, I don't know that we have any breath left in us to gasp at this point. But there, there's going to be a lot that happens. tomorrow's. I think tomorrow's going to end up actually 
overall being a bigger day than today was. Yeah, I think somebody in the chat is trying to to goof us and tell us that the Patriots just signed Kenny Galladay to get us to talk about it like it just happened. I don't think we're going to get something like that. Like, do you guys realize I I, I have Twitter up on my screen? Like, you see me looking down. You see me looking around. I'm looking at Twitter. Yeah, I I don't think that that's going to happen. But uh, I do think that there is one more shoe to drop in terms of offensive skill talent. It might end up being a running back ultimately. But I do think that the Patriots are still – kicking the tires on the wide receiver market. I don't think that they're all that sold on their group just yet. So I think that the Patriots could still make another move at wide receiver. I don't think it'll be Kenny Galladay. I don't think it will be Curtis Samuel. It'll probably be somebody from that secondary wide receiver market. Again, kind of like a Nelson Aguilar type, but we'll see what happens. Uh, We've been wrong a lot as we normally are, as everybody normally is. So uh, I don't think any one of us uh, saw Two tight ends. I don't think we saw all the moves that they have made necessarily. Although we have been saying for a while, uncharacteristically aggressive is our motto. Uncharacteristically aggressive, baby. And we we were right to believe. I was right to believe. All the people who made fun of me. I was right to believe. You were. So we'll be back tomorrow, 7.30, same time, same place, breaking down all the Patriots moves on Wednesday, talking a little bit more. Alex and I could probably talk over another hour about Hunter Henry and John Smith and how fun that's going to be. But tune in tomorrow night, 7.30. We'll do it all again. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow night.